This is Ron Thurston, and we are in Nashville, Tennessee, with Priscilla Willis. Welcome to Retail in America. This podcast is part of the Retail in America tour and an Airstream trailer, my year-long journey to discover these incredible retail heroes all across the country, celebrating our retail culture, community, and careers. We're in Nashville, Tennessee today for episode nine of the podcast at a campground called Elm Hill RV Resort, parked right on a beautiful lake, which has served as our backyard for the last 10 days. I have another incredible retail leader here with me today for a great campfire conversation. But before we get started, I want to thank the three important title sponsors fueling the Retail in America tour and this podcast. Spotify Advertising. Spotify has grown to over 420 million monthly unique registered users around the globe, over half of which are supported on the ad platform. Spotify Advertising will help you reach and target your audience across devices, locations, and formats. Ubic. Over 300 companies in 80 countries trust Ubic to drive their retail performance at scale, get real-time visibility into multi-location business execution, digitized task management, and consistent digital mobile learning for their teams. And KWI. KWI is the industry's only true turnkey omni-channel platform for specialty retailers. With over 35 years of experience, let KWI help you execute flawlessly with the features that matter most, including endless aisle, clienteling, mobile checkout, inventory management, e-commerce, and more. The links to learn more about all three of these great brands will be in the show notes and of course at retailpride.com. So let's get started with the show. I would love to introduce you to Priscilla Willis. Priscilla is currently the GM of Burberry in the mall at Green Hills here in Nashville. She has an incredible retail career that has taken her all over the country from New York City to Miami and back to Tennessee with brands including Banana Republic, Cole Haan, Gibson Guitars, Tory Burch, and more. And I can't wait to hear her story. She's married with two boys who are eight and five. And even though we're in Nashville today, her favorite cities are two that she lived in, which are New York and Miami. Priscilla says that retail has been an accidental career, but her personal development has always been purposeful and driven based on her curiosity about different roles and enjoyment of various aspects of leadership. And she says that being a leader is most fulfilling, but the engagement with clients has always been what keeps her going year after year. So with that, Priscilla, welcome to Retail in America. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so happy that you're here. We're <laughs> in the Airstream um, here in Nashville. And I don't know if you can hear, but there are birds. So this is <laughs> a really nice change for me to be here um, kind of out in, out in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it's nice. It's, you know, I think uh, Tennessee is, is beautiful and um, something that people don't really expect when they come here and, and not what they think. But it's great because you're actually not too far from Nashville and short drive mm-hmm. um, to feel the buzz of the city and, and a quick drive to be able to get the relaxing experience it's of the so nature. True. Yeah. So you and I just met today in person, mm-hmm. but we have many people in common. So we <laughs> yes. were introduced 
through William Brobston, right. who's a great friend of mine and a recruiter in New York City. Mm-hmm. You worked with Katie Sutton, who was a peer of mine at Tory. Yes. And if you and I, maybe within the next 30 minutes, we'll find 10 more people right. that we know in common. <laughs> so it's that's what I love so much about this industry is mm-hmm. we continue to cross paths. We were always connected. Mm-hmm. We always find people, Katie from Draper James, you right. Know, you and I, yes. You know, have in common after my time there this week. Yes. Um. So much. I know. I mean, I think that the the industry is so small. I mean, Katie, that you met at Draper James, she and I've known each other for twenty years, and we're neighbors in the mall <laughs> at Green Hills <laughs> decades ago. And um, Katie, she's always been a leader and mentor for me from from Colhan to, to Tory, and mm-hmm. even to this day. Um, but there are. I mean, it's just such a small industry, but at the same time, very large. <laughs> very large. I mean, one of, as we know, largest employers in this country, a yes. huge economic impact. Yet huge. I continue to meet people on this tour who are one degree of separation from someone else I know. Wow. And that's incredible. That's amazing. So I want to hear more about Nashville and the spirit yes. of Retail in America. Yes. Tell us about Nashville. Yes. Okay. So first off, I have to just share Nashville is going through a huge shift and a huge change um, in this post-COVID climate. I um, moved back here last summer and to see what has happened to the city. People are flocking here from the Northeast, from the West Coast. Every day I'm meeting people who've just moved to Nashville. Um, and at the same time, Nashville, from from a retail standpoint, has always been slightly misunderstood. The customer who lives here, who's been rooted here for generations, shops in Atlanta, shops in Chicago. They're shopping when they're traveling versus shopping right here. And it's really been about accessibility. Um, so it's it's been amazing to see so many retailers moving into Nashville and exploring these different areas that have popped up, not just Green Hills, where I am currently, but you know, I think about 12th South, I think about the Gulch, mm-hmm. I think about all that's changing and sort of being sort of rebuilt or invigorated with new energy. Mm-hmm. And retailers are really finding their home here in Nashville, which has been so amazing to see. I could see that. I, I was in the mall at, at Green Hill walking around and the mm-hmm. expansion of luxury Yes. I think is relatively new it is. at that scale mm-hmm. to Nashville, correct? It definitely is. There were just a couple of brands that opened about 12 years ago, 13 years ago now, um, in the mall at Green Hills. And now it's every year somebody else is coming and they're starting to see um, the importance of their business as this becoming a trademark for them to experience their brand as a whole. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. it's so exciting. It's great. When you say people are flocking here, what would you describe as the greatest appeal? I want to say opportunity, but then I also feel and see and hear that it's about this balance of them being able to still continue on in their careers or their businesses, whatever it's they're doing for work. And then also too, it's about this balance of life and family and experience. Mm -hmm. They're realizing they don't have to be in the middle of the buzz and in the middle of these huge cities, but they can have this balance and they're coming to Tennessee to get that. You can feel it. It's beautiful. It's a Mm -hmm. beautiful part of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and incredibly warm and generous mm-hmm. and um, great food, great music, yes. you know, all the things you would expect about Nashville have right. certainly in my 10 days here have proven to be true. 
Yes. It's exciting. Yeah. It so is. I want to hear your career story. Yeah. You know, well, this is not a job interview, right. but I saw 20 years ago or so you started as a sales associate mm-hmm. and you've had some incredible jobs. So mm-hmm. walk us through that. So it's funny because my career started as a sales associate, seasonal sales associate for Banana Republic. And my manager at that time, he actually works for Apple now. And I'll never forget the day that he told me, he said, Priscilla, I can tell that you could be an amazing leader and have an amazing career in retail. Have you thought about it? And at that time, I hadn't thought about it. <laughs> I thought I was going to be a doctor. I thought <laughs> that I was going to be in the medical field. Like this had never crossed my mind. And he had me stop and think because I loved what I did. I really enjoyed helping the the customers who were walking in, looking for an outfit for a wedding, looking for a look to wear to a baby shower. And putting them in an outfit, it wasn't just about the clothing, right? It wasn't just about selling them something. It was about the way that they felt and the smile on their face when they left that brought me so much joy. And I wanted more of that. You know, it it was... I don't know. It's it's an experience that I've always had a hard time explaining, but that's really what had me stop and say, "Yeah, you know what? This this could be a career. I, I could really enjoy this." Mm-hmm. And so it it led to conversations that quickly had me moving into retail leadership positions, assistant managers. And I think about my time at Banana Republic, and I, I tell people this every day. Working at Banana Republic was like the boot camp of retail for me. It really helped me understand the foundation of leadership, training, business, visual merchandising. I got it all. Mm -hmm. And without that, I honestly don't think, and the leaders that I had while I was there, I don't think I would be where I am today. Mm -hmm. So, Just quick follow-up on that. So that, what did that person, that leader that you had, what was it in you that he saw? And how have you translated that now into your leadership skills? It was really, for me, the passion and the hard work. I was not afraid to sort of get my hands dirty and and whatever was asked of me, I was willing to do. You know, I was always curious. And when I saw an opportunity or something or someone who needed help, I was always asking what I could do to help them. And anybody who came on board, I was always willing to show them what we were doing and how we were doing it and explain the whys behind it. And they gave me a really great opportunity as a seller to assist with visual merchandising for the entire market. It was four stores. I was in my early 20s, and I was helping other leaders as an associate myself understand the importance of visual merchandising and the role that it played in their business and the volume that they were driving. Mm-hmm. So that was really sort of that foundation that led to that that conversation. It's just hard work and passion <laughs> and just getting my hands dirty. So. And then what was next? Walk us through the next several yeah. years. Yeah, so I was in Memphis at the time, moved to Nashville. So that was when I first moved to Nashville, it was around 2006, and was an assistant manager with Banana Republic. I mean, I was in the Mall of Green Hills for a couple of years and I mean, honestly, I thought that I was going to work for Gap Inc. forever. <laughs> so did I. And I had a, a, a long stint yeah, myself right? for the same reason. Yeah. I mean, just the, the family that you felt there and wasn't just about a number. You really were someone. Everybody felt that. So 
I realized that I wanted more. I was looking for an additional challenge as a leader. Being an assistant manager, I was overseeing, at the time they split visuals, but I was overseeing the, cl- the client experience, the customer experience, whether it was surveys or fitting room experiences or styling and wardrobing. And the great thing about Nashville is that we had clients. At Banana Republic, we had clients. We had customers who would come in and see us on a weekly basis to see us. Yeah. And so I was looking for that next step, that next that next move. And um, the current store manager for Cole Haan was a client of mine and had said, you know what, we're leaving, we're moving to Denver. Would you be interested in learning about my role? And I said, gosh, you know, okay, you know, <laughs> why not? And fast forward a few months, I was leaving this brand that I love, who I'm still a customer of. I will never stop being, you know, my love for Banana Republic has always run deep and decided to make a move to Cole Haan as the store manager. And that was when I met Katie Sutton that we were speaking about earlier. She was a leader for me who allowed me to run my business. And she never dictated what it was that I needed to do to drive the business of that store and lead that team and develop that client base. Instead, she allowed me to ask her questions. So it became this organic relationship, mentorship. And I was in that store for about two and a half years as a store manager. And when I think about my team at the time, their patience with me from transitioning from an assistant store manager where I always had the GM right there at my disposal to mm-hmm. ask any questions along the way to this growth period where I was learning how to be that leader to them. And my leader was hundreds of miles away. And it was amazing. That was 2007. Yeah. And in 2008, we had a huge shift in retail. It was hard. It was yeah. tough. I think about 2008, that was what solidified for me really how to be a leader to a team of employees who were on commission and customers weren't just coming in and shopping. You know, they didn't have the same disposable income that they had the year prior. So how could I help them keep them motivated and driven? And we (laughs) really focused on developing client relationships. For me, that was when I learned that it was more, more about the people less about the product, right? Less about that internal family and more about this balance of the relationships that we had outside of our four walls and the relationships that we had with each other. That was how we were gonna continue to drive this business forward and be successful. So we started having conversations with our clients. What do you love to do? What organizations are you involved in outside of work? You know, I'd love to go to this event that you're attending. You know, how can I get tickets? So we started attending different events and having conversations with these nonprofit organizations that they paired with. And then one of my top clients for the store, I had a conversation with her and and the associate that she worked with and said, I'd love to have you host an event in our store. And I want to work with Kohan and see what we can do to give back to your organization. And after several conversations, I found this opportunity <laughs> to not only have one of our top clients host this event for us and introduce us to these donors for this organization, right, to, to introduce them to Kohan, mm-hmm. but it was also an opportunity for us to introduce our clients to this organization. Mm-hmm. And it became a win-win. 
So over the course of two and a half years, that's what we did. And we worked with Souls for Souls, Monroe Carroll Jr. Children's Hospital, the LP Pencil Box, so many organizations just right here in Nashville Mm. to give back in that time of need. Mm. And I think now to COVID and post-COVID, there are so many organizations Mm. in need and people in need. And so I'm still now that I'm back home, trying to find ways to continue to get involved. Mm-hmm. So yeah. more of a fast forward. But what a beautiful skill to learn during kind of a necessary time about mm-hmm. how to drive your business in unique ways. Right. And kind of in-store events made today seem a little bit more common mm-hmm. than they did then. Right. But it was kind of a new idea of right. like a store in a mall mm-hmm. hosting a fundraiser. Exactly. Was not as... You didn't see it as often as you do right now. No, no. I mean, we were definitely one of the first retailers in the Mall of Green Hills hosting those types of events. And we were doing it every six to eight weeks with different organizations. And it was great because it really helped us sort of solidify our place here in the market. And then for me to be able to take that with Colhan to the Atlanta market and then into DC as an area manager kind of became the foundation of who I am as a retail leader. Mm-hmm. I've carried that with me from market to market. Mm-hmm. So so I was with Colhan for several years and loved the brand. It was when Nike actually owned Colhan yeah. through the whole phase of Nike Air. So what was next? So uh, <laughs> so I, I was in D.C. as a multi-store manager and received a call actually from, from Katie Sutton. And there was an opportunity with Tori Birch in Bell Harbor. And gosh, Bell Harbor. <laughs> Bell Harbor. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, it truly for me has always been known as the, the business card to the world for a brand. Everybody goes to Bell Harbor when they're in Miami and experience brands from around the world. So this was an opportunity for me to really sort of strengthen my skill set as a leader. I was working with a team that was helping clients that weren't just local or traveling on business. These were clients who had second homes who were from South America, Eastern Europe, Asia, depending on the time of year and really understanding how we could best service them. And so I made the transition, moved from D.C. to Miami, and um didn't even think twice about it. I, I'd never visited the store. <laughs> I, I had I had been to the mall as a as a tourist, but I had never been to the store. And I'd only been to the stores in, in DC and Atlanta. So it was brand new for me. And I'll remember my interview process actually with, with Matt Marcotte and Diane Pressler. <laughs> and what always sort of attracted me for every move that I made and and with uh, Diana Matt was the conversation about people because a banana and like I was telling you about Cole Hahn, mm-hmm. I quickly learned that it's about the external and the internal. And for them, it was all about culture. And it was always about this feeling and this experience that you created for the people that you were working with and the clients that were coming in and how you made them feel. And um, <laughs> I actually... <laughs> I have to I have to go back and say because you know I think right now about a conversation I had with Katie when I was at Colhan and she said Priscilla I want you to think about empathy and I want you to think about the client and and how the client feels and be empathetic to their feelings and then fast forward a few years I'm sitting here having these conversations with these amazing leaders and thinking about joining their team and I'm having the same conversation. It's mm-hmm. about the people. 
So I made the move, <laughs> joined this, this team. Big move. Not knowing Miami. No, very big <laughs> move. Very big move. And walked into a team that was quite tenured, um, had been there since the store opened. Big deal. They knew their clients. They knew the neighborhood clients. They knew they had clients from Brazil and South America and, and Eastern Europe. I had a team also who was from around the world. They weren't born in Miami. And it's crazy to think because now fast forward, it's been exactly 10 years since I made that move. And the team that I worked with, I am closer to that team than any other team Mm. that I've worked with around the country. We've stayed connected. Whether they've been a mentor to me or I've been a mentor to them, I'm not really sure. (laughs) But I know that we've made an impact on each other personally and professionally. Yeah. And funny you reference those names because I followed Matt Marcotte a couple of times, you know, Apple and Tori, you know, Diane was my boss you know, at Tori Birch. So the, the connections, <laughs> see, I knew that when we started through this conversation, we would find more people that we have in common. Yes. 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 So let's maybe fast forward to today. Yeah. So, so uh, well, it's it's funny because my career is taking me kind of all over the country. You moved to New York. Moved to New York. For Tori. Yep. I um, made a move back to Memphis for family had no clue what I was going to do and started putting my resume out and, um, you know, I knew that I needed more balance and not putting my career first for the first time and made a move to Gibson Brands. And um, for about five years, I was in roles where I was helping others learn how to create experiences for the consumer to drive a business, but then also understanding that sometimes a consumer isn't just buying For the sake of functionality, sometimes it's for passion. Sometimes it's for that emotional connection that they have to the brand or to something that they see or touch or feel. And so fast forward, again, I've always made these moves for my career. I made a move to Memphis for a personal reason, and it impacted me so greatly from a career standpoint Because it allowed me to realize that I was always searching for something. I was always searching for that next move in my career because I wanted to be in multi-store. I wanted to be in corporate. I wanted to be a buyer. And here I had a little bit of everything that I was searching for, but I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled in what I was doing because I missed having those interactions with the teams on the front lines and the clients who were shopping. And what was your role at Gibson Brands? So I was the retail manager for the tour business, tiny tour business uh, there in Memphis. But we had people who were coming from around the world. I mean, Australia, Japan, Germany, Spain, South America, Mexico, Colombia, just all over the world coming to Memphis, Tennessee to tour this factory. Wow. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And they were leaving with guitar picks and T-shirts, right? You know, think standard tourism uh, (laughs) mementos. And I'm sitting here thinking, you were in a guitar factory. Why aren't you buying a guitar? (laughs) 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 Probably because they don't know what to do with it, which (laughs) is what I would say. Yes, probably, probably. But they had a a strong connection to the brand, which I feel like so many people do, whether you're working for a company in retail or the consumer, you have a connection to the brand. And so I quickly helped the tour guides realize if they're flying here and traveling from around the world to come on this tour, 
why aren't they leaving with a piece of this history, something that was handmade in this factory by all the artisans that they see build these instruments? Mm. And so I I had to learn how to (laughs) ship a guitar to Australia, and there's so many restrictions on shipping woods and pearls. And, you know, so I was having to learn, and and, and it, it was the curiosity that I've always had as a leader that allowed me to figure this out so that we could help these customers right at the end of the day mm-hmm. leave with something so personal something that they were a part of because they were able to experience it and uh we did it mm-hmm. <laughs> we we did it we took this tiny tour business and and created this direct to consumer experience for them and when i think about my partners there who i'm, I'm still connected with i it was hard work and we dug in and I just think about long nights and putting presentations together and, and having conversations with vendors about different processes. And it wasn't about the time that I was spending doing it during this hard time in my life. Personally, I was doing it because I was wanting to help and wanting to learn. And at the end of the day, just found enjoyment mm-hmm. in, in making these impacts on people mm-hmm. around me. But you took those up to that point, decade plus mm-hmm. retail leadership experience and created something mm-hmm. magical for a brand that may not have known a lot about retail. Right. So here comes Priscilla, right. of like we should do this and we should maybe mm-hmm. have events and we should do things mm-hmm. that you really grew and crafted your own skills. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was. I think about the global showrooms, LA, Austin, we had one in DC here in Nashville, and and, uh, helping them set up operations to be able to create those experiences for the artists who are coming even into their showrooms. Mm -hmm. Before that, you know, they were just coming in and maybe playing a, a song or a set. And here they were actually able to take something home with them. Mm-hmm. So, but again, yeah, I mean, it was about leadership, owning it, yep. Yep. being curious about the business and not just settling for what was right in front of me. I've, I've never been one to settle. And I think that's what Joey early on at, at Banana saw. I was always willing to push to that next step, to that next level. Mm. I've never been a status quo girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, you said yes to a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. too and yeah. not an uncommon feedback to hear of like you kind of picked up and moved right. what you needed to do to grow your career right which is in many ways i think very unique to a retail mm-hmm. a retail legacy of leadership is you kind of you go where the opportunities are you go with the brands right. where you see those opportunities mm-hmm. and you've had great mentors to help you make some of those decisions. I have. Like Katie Sutton. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah, I've, I've definitely been blessed from that standpoint. I just, wow, the, the mentors that I've had along the way who are still mentors yeah. to this day. As I'm sure you are a mentor to many Yeah. now too. Yeah. So today you're back in Nashville. Yes, Running yes. Burberry yes. in the mall at Green Hills. Yes. So back kind of maybe a little bit where it all began. Mm-hmm. How does that feel? I, so... Amazing. I actually, I remember the day that the store opened here and and I said to myself, one day I'm going to work 
for that brand in that store. And um, I, I didn't even really think about it until I was going through the interview process. And I was just thinking, wow, you know, I said to myself years ago and, and forgot who I would have thought that I would be moving back home, but that I would come back here to Burberry, a brand like so many of the others that are rooted in, in heritage and history and a foundation that they built and grew from mm -hmm. and was lucky <laughs> when we made the move. I actually thought that I was going to take a step back from my career altogether and was presented with this opportunity and, and just the natural conversation that led to this opportunity. I was just telling you about yep. Brandon. Yep. Brandon and I worked together at Colhan, Tori Birch, and now Burberry. Wow. And I called her. I said, look, I said, hey, you know, we're moving back home to Nashville. I'm thinking about taking a step back and I don't really know what I'm going to do, but I need something that's less stress. I want to get into what I love to do and, and work for a company that allows me to do what I love to do, right? So events, being able to own my business, lead my team and, and not have a checklist mm -hmm. of things I needed to complete. And she said, Priscilla, <laughs> Burberry is hiring a GM. And I said, what? It's <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I said that I was going to work in that store and you're telling me there's an opportunity? Yes. And I had a conversation the same day, the recruiter, and not a week later, <laughs> I was having a conversation with the market director, who's another amazing leader. And a few days after that, I was getting an offer and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is amazing. Wow. And step into the store and every move that I've made, there's always a transition period as a leader because the team is anxious, expecting so much change, mm -hmm. right? And then you're thinking you have to come in and what is the state of this business? What do I need to do to help move it forward? And it was a very organic sort of melding of the two. The team, this is the first time that I've actually walked into a team that just said, we want more, give me more. And working for a company that really has allowed me to own the business and reconnect with the partnerships that I have here in Nashville to move this business forward. You know, I've been connected with Music Cares and wanted to host an event with them for the longest and figure out how to be just hands-on involved with Music Cares. And in December, I was able to partner with Gibson and have one of their leaders host the event for me in December and, and have a partnership event just six months in with the brand. Wow. Using your own relationships. Using wow. my relationships. Wow. And then even, too, to be able to host some of our top clients here at, at Steeplechase in Nashville, yeah. just a tradition true to this area of the country. And while we were there, meet so many people, like I told you at the beginning, who have moved to Nashville from California, New York, even some people from Florida, <laughs> and make additional connections that are going to continue to sort of move this forward. And um, it was for me, amazing, because where I'm in my career trying to take a step back and allow others to carry on this path that I've had and see what it can lead for them, I was able to bring three uh, members of my team with me. Mm. And they were able to see you just, you put yourself out there, you know, put yourself out there and just have conversations and share who you are and tell them a little bit about you and ask a little bit about them and, you know, follow up and say, let's go have lunch. And you just never know where it's going to lead. Mm -hmm. And while we were there, we were, we were sitting and having a conversation. And little did I know, one of the gentlemen who was there 
is the CMO for one of the organizations that I first partnered with in 2008. Oh, wow. And he's the CMO for Souls for Souls. And I said, oh, my goodness. (laughs) I was floored and had tears and said, we have to figure out how to work together. You know, Wayne Elsie, who founded Souls for Souls, um, is another mentor of mine from the nonprofit side. And we've worked together Mm. in many markets and stayed connected. And to have this sort of reconnection is amazing. And now to have some of my leaders in Burberry starting to take on that step. One is a musician. (laughs) One is from Florida and Atlanta, new to Nashville, see that there's more to retail than the four walls. Just Mm. get out there. Mm. And they have so many ideas. And so I'm like, okay, yes, own it, do it. Mm. And then come back to me. Tell me about it. The store is really the vehicle for other great work. Right. Community work, kind Mm -hmm. of nonprofit work, career building. You know, right. the, the, the store is just the place where you all meet. It is. And yes, you need to deliver, sure. I'm assuming, several million dollars a year yes. in sales. Yes. Yet, look at all this that you've just described. Right. It's really powerful. It is. And even too, like I think back to the team and I'm one that's always been founded on we have to have morning meeting. And it's not just five minutes for me to tell you what I need from you today. It's 30 minutes for us to talk about where we are, talk about where we need to go, and for you to tell me what you're going to do to help us get there. We have to all be vested. We have to all bring something to the table, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it needs to be organic. Mm-hmm. People have to want it. And I'm just there to help feed into that desire and guide them in this direction to help breed their success and, and keep them going. Yeah. How would you describe the difference if any, between kind of luxury today versus contemporary world where you and I spent most of our career. Because I had a similar experience, all contemporary, Mm -hmm. went to Saint Laurent. And there are very much a lot of similarities, but there are some differences. How would you describe that? Well, it's interesting because Burberry has evolved considerably over the years. And um, I think at the end of the day, we're all trying to connect We're trying to engage with the consumer. We're all trying to create experiences that really make a mark. Mm -hmm. But the one thing for me is that it's not different because, again, it's been about the people and the brands that I've worked with are all about the people. They're about the leaders and allowing you to do what you need to do. But I love what you said that when you arrived at Burberry, the team said, give us more. (laughs) What a gift for a leader to walk into a team that said, teach us, train us, make us better. And you've then taken 20 years of experience and said, let me teach you everything I know. That is part of retail, as as you and I talk about, it's so Mm self-taught. So you walk into this building and now you're teaching those skills. It's a really great full circle moment for you. It really is. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing the leaders tomorrow that I'm working with right now and it reminds me of myself, you know, being in Nashville and and being eager and looking for more and where I'm fulfilled, where I am. I'm not looking for something more. I'm looking at how to build what I have. And I just actually promoted somebody on my team and they're moving next week and it's sad and that, that's going to be definitely a hole to fill and somebody said to me thank you 
for allowing this to happen. I said, well, it's not my place to stop it, right? I'm here to help them get to where they need to be and want to go. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, we can always find somebody else who's looking for that next step that we can then do the same thing with, and it becomes this cycle. That's what we do. Right. It's your responsibility as Mm -hmm. a leader to find that and move them forward. Right. To not hold them back because it creates more work for you. Exactly. But in fact, do the right thing and make it happen. Right. Even if it's harder for you temporarily. Yeah. It's a great part of retail. It is. It is. You've spoken a lot about empathy and curiosity. So it sounds like if I were going to ask you maybe your favorite pillar of retail Mm -hmm. pride, it sounds like curiosity may be the first one. Yes, Thousand percent. Thousand percent. I mean, as soon as I was reading (laughs) the chapters on curiosity, I was like, yes, 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 yes. I mean, I couldn't scream it louder and it's in my iBooks. And so I'll I'll go back and like I have pages bookmarked and then I'll screenshot. I'm like, yes, that's it. That's it. And um, you have to be curious. You do. The curiosity is what gets you to that next step. If you're always waiting for somebody to come to you versus seeking it out with your own curiosity, you're going to be waiting a long time. Agreed. And part of being self-taught is being highly curious. Right. You, right. you can't wait for someone to drop you know, some information on your lap that will create an opportunity for the future. Mm-mm. You have to be curious. You have to ask questions. Right. It sounds like from a very young age, that's what you did. It's how mm-hmm. you led, which mm-hmm. is been part of your success. Well, and it's funny because when I think about curiosity, I actually think about my AP calculus teacher. <laughs> she told me, she said, Priscilla, stop asking questions. Take it for what it is. And to this day, I'm, I'm always asking questions, looking for more. And, and even too, when it's come to, you know, brands that I've worked for, training courses, I'm always reading books and, and learning new ideas that other people may have to share and then sharing those ideas and finding quotes that inspire me for that moment or the teams that I'm working with. Um, We have to find something more. Agreed. How do you describe working in retail to your friends and family? What do you tell people that you do? It's funny because people always want to just roll your eyes like, oh my gosh, you know, retail. Yeah, it's a joke. You know, what do you really do all day besides try on clothes and sell stuff? And I, you know, and I I laugh because it's so much more. We are running multi-million dollar businesses and teams of people, and we're trying to help them be successful at whatever it is they do because they're going to take it wherever they go. And from visual merchandising, business planning, even profit and loss statements and understanding the, the foundations of business or experiences or just thinking outside of the box and even to non-traditional methods like events that I was speaking to before, we are creating new foundations and innovating constantly in retail. And I've seen people in my career who leave retail and, and go into other industries who are highly successful because they've taken this foundation of what you learn. We are managing so many different things all at once. It's not just one focus. We are doing 10 different things all at once and in the back of our mind, moving it all forward together. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. And if you've not worked in the industry, that's what that's perception of what we do is entirely different. Yes. And it's so complex and so draining and exciting all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I'll have 
people on my teams who will say like, oh, I, you know, I'm looking for something else or, you know, I, I don't want to be in retail. You know, it's the schedule. And at the end of the day, for me, it's not about a schedule, but it's about the experiences that I'm going to have that day because I'm going to meet so many new people and just feeding off of that. Yeah. There, there are people who want that cut and dry for me. No, right. I like the unexpected. <laughs> Today is Saturday and you're going to leave here yes. and you're going to go to work. Yes. And that's what you do. Exactly. But you have two small children. Right. So you, you know, also have to balance the mm-hmm. rest of your life. And hopefully retail yeah. gives you that opportunity. It does. I, I think people don't really expect it to do that. They expect it to just be all you do. And it's not. You know, I, I have a family. I'm able to be there when I need to be there. But at the same time, you know, I have two little boys who see a mom with a very successful career who doesn't take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that they learn that along the way that you are going to do what you want to do if you decide to put in the work. Great advice. Yeah. Anything you would share to those that are listening that want to grow into a multi-store role like mm-hmm. you did because it it is very often through my conversations, you know, want to be an area manager, district manager, head of stores, right. and it's a it, those roles are not as common. So what advice would you give to those people who want to grow into a multi-store role? It's interesting because I feel like when you're in your own store, you do a lot of listening right? But you're controlling the environment and the aspects of your business to help get it to where it needs to go. As a multi-store leader, you have to listen more and do less. You're the support. You need to be there and really listen. I've worked for leaders who weren't curious about their managers and started to see lots of turn. Mm -hmm. But for the same point, I've worked for leaders who have listened and been the support and answered questions when necessary and guided when when that's what needed to happen. And they're the ones who have great relationships, whether they still work together or not, because of that. And I think it's a skill set that so many people just don't really think it's necessary. I'm a multi-store leader. I need to tell you what you need to do, and I need you to check these boxes. But that's not what it's about. Yeah. I remember becoming a district manager, having been a very successful store manager. Mm-hmm. And then, you, yeah, you try to run eight stores, <laughs> you become the Same store way. manager of eight stores, yes. and it, it doesn't work. It does not work. It, but it takes some time to unravel that right. you know, part of you that is very action-oriented mm-hmm. and kind of strategy to just listen. Right. Listen and learn and act. Right, for exactly. For them. You're in service to others. Right, right, right. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank, thank you, you Priscilla. Thank and you. you are a true retail hero here in Nashville. And, and the, your impact, when I listen to you, your impact on dozens, if not hundreds, of people's careers mm-hmm. has your name attached to it. Mm-hmm. And you should be really proud of that. I, th- I think about people that I've worked with all around the country, and it doesn't matter what industry they're in, you know, we, we have those moments that we remember or the, the good, the bad, and the challenging, right? But they've all led to great things. Yeah. So great. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for spending time with me. Of course. Thank Pleasure. you. Thank you. Thank you, Priscilla, for being on the show today. It was a lot of fun. And thank you to everyone for listening. You can pay your retail pride forward and subscribe, review, and then share this podcast with everyone you know who works in retail. Go to retailpride.com or follow me on Instagram at retailpride to see all of the details about the tour and other media links. 
feel free to contact me directly to nominate a retail hero for this podcast, host a retail networking event in your city, or just say hello. Keep your retail pride strong, and I will see you on the road.